welcome to In My Mug episode 289 on Monday the 26th of May 2014. I am your host Stephen Layton. Welcome to In My Mug and welcome to the wonderful, wonderful news. Okay, so the news we all are very excited about. Um, it's great coffee after great coffee at the moment. El Salvador Finca Lafani, yes you can insert your own jokes there, um, is back in stock. One of my all-time favourites, I've worked with this farm since 2004. It's one of my longest relationships. Um, I do expect it to be in my mug, but surely one bag won't be enough for you. So that is now on the store. This week we are going to be doing an Ethiopian in my mug, which I know you'll be excited about. The first of our washed uh, Ethiopians to arrive. Um, this is the first of a few. Um, I do expect a few of them to make in my mug, but one that I don't think will is the Chalekatu. Uh, this is such a such a tiny lot that um, it probably won't be an in my mug. So giving you a little bit of a heads up on that. And this is a little bit more of a moan and a groan at you lot. You used to talk to me a lot in the comments on the in my mug site. And when we redesigned the site, the designers were saying to me, oh, you don't need comments on there, you shouldn't bother with it. Oh, I like the comments. And Roland Gifford talks to me on there and nobody else. So um, I'd very much like to see some more comments go up on the In My Mug site. You should definitely get yourself sorted with that. And that was the wonderful news. Um, it's time for us to focus on, uh, and the focus on this week, we're going to be looking at Yurgachev. Uh, looking a bit of the difference between Sadamo and what Yurgachev really, really means. So, um, yeah, focus on. So you'll often come across Ethiopian coffees labelled as either Sadamo or Yurgachev. Um, Sadamo is a major growing region in southern Ethiopia, which Yurgachev is a small sub-region of. Um, so. Actually, Yurgachev's really are Sadamo coffees. But for me, Yurgachev's are quite different. They have a very distinct cupping profile that is unique to Yurgachev. Yurgachev tends to have a very clean, very floral, black tea, a little bit of an Earl Grey thing going on, uh, grapefruit, lemon, um, very distinctive taste to them. Whereas Sadamo's tend to be a little bit more, more diverse. Now I am painting a very broad brush of generalization across that, um, but that for me is really the difference between Yurgachev and Sadamo, and that was Focus On. So a short but interesting Focus On I think, but we should look at this week's coffee. So. Buying from Ethiopia is a challenge. Uh, you buy from the cupping table, it's easy. But buying from a name is really difficult. This is the first time that we've actually bought a coffee from the same washing station two years on the trot. And that's because Ethiopia is a little bit inconsistent. Um, but when an Ethiopia is good, it is amazing. But when you buy coffees from Ethiopia, you have to buy through something called the Ethiopian Commodity Exchange, which hides lots of the visibility of the coffees, unless you have direct contracts, which are a little bit different. With this vagueness, you have to be a bit of a detective to work out where the coffee's from. This coffee, we know, is from the Gado Gado um, from the west of the town of Yurgachev, from the Guji area, which is around about four kilometers west of Yurgachev. Yurgachev is a very small town, population of like 19,000. Um, the mill is owned by Sir Frau Barana, 
um, and is supplied by around about 700 uh, small holder farmers who are mainly garden growers. So you will have in your garden some coffee plants, you'll pick them, you'll take them to the mill, they'll give you cash. Uh, they produce around about five containers a year of specialty and around about 10 containers of quality. Um, the varietals, you can have a guess. I think it's typical with a mixture of some other stuff. But really in Ethiopia, because it comes from all these small growers, it's impossible to really get down into that detail. Um, so the cherries are picked from your garden. You put them in a, a sack. They're taken along to a weighing station where they're weighed and the owner of the mill will buy the cherries from you from how much you weigh. He'll give you a little chit of paper which you can take to the bank in exchange for, for money. At the mill, they will take the cherries and they will ferment them underwater for between 36 and 48 hours, depending on how hot or cold it is at that time. Um, and then it's sorted, uh, put on raised African drying beds, sometimes called Indian raised drying beds. It really depends on your terminology. Uh, and they will dry for two to three weeks until the moisture reaches around about 12%. And then transported to the holding warehouse where it's sold. And the altitude of this coffee is around about 1900 meters to around about 2100 meters but because it's from so many small individual growers again it's very difficult to get an exact figure on that but you have to look at the town of Yergachev is around about 1900 meters and there are more raised areas around there so that's kind of where we get that figure from and it's a delicious coffee it's something that um, I think when Ethiopians are right they are by far the best and they do everything wrong the picking is a little haphazard the processing is not done like that anywhere else in the world um, you know it, but it just they end up so amazing some of the naturals as well are just so amazingly funky um, it's just really really exciting we've approved some naturals already and I think we saw some naturals from Kerbal Arica last year as well um, but it's it's a great washing station, a great processing station that we, we really enjoy working with. So the stats we should look at, it is called uh, Kerbal Arica. It is uh, from 700 smallholder producers from the region of Yergachev. Uh, has an altitude of uh, 1900 to 2100 meters. Comes from the varieties Tipica and many, many heirloom varietals. It is washed, uh, submerging water and then dried on raised beds. Uh, we should now go see Roland's daft fact. Yergachev was part of the Mediterranean and Middle East theatre of World War II, advancing from Yalebo. The British recaptured Yergachev on the 27th of April, 1941. Bet you never knew Yergachev was part of the Second World War. Roland scares me when he goes off on little tangents like that, but it's an interesting fact that it was part of the Second World War and captured by the British, so yeah, very proud of that. Um, so let's go and look at what I expect to be a very, very vague map bit. Hello everybody. Goodbye everybody. Up you go. Up into the sky. A few people have asked me how we've done that. We have a little drone copter that we can kind of whiz round on. Um, and it goes all the way above into space and does the whole map bit. Um, but we're going south now and we are going to Africa. I'm so excited to be going to Africa again. Um, we don't do enough 
for Africa. Uh, and we certainly don't do enough for Ethiopia. But over the coming weeks, you're going to see another couple of these. Uh, Ethiopia, the birthplace of coffee, uh, where it all began. Um, and Ethiopia follows the Julian calendar, consisting of 12 months and 30 days, and the 13th month of five or six days. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Um I wonder, I wonder if that's why my shipments are always really delayed from Ethiopia, because we, we're working on different calendars. Um, so this is the town of Yergachev, and where that little dot is, that's where I stopped when I went there, in the world's worst hotel. Um, I made coffee with cold water, because it's the only way I could make any day. It was horrendous. Um, but you can see there the kind of all of the different farms that we're buying from from Ethiopia. Uh, a really good view into all, all of the, the places. But this one is right by the village. It's just to the northwest. And that is the mill. So that's the actual mill that this coffee's come from. To get that level of detail for Ethiopia is next to impossible. But then I'm a genius. So it was always going to happen. Little look at the topography. So you can see it's actually at the bottom of a valley. Um, and just sitting in that valley means that all the farms are around it. And they all just come down into that central point and deliver their cherry and, uh, and sell to the mill. It's, um, it's pretty cool. And that was a pretty cool map bit for Ethiopia. Yeah, sorry, I don't expect that one to be great, but we have a little bit of info, so hopefully it will be useful. I mean, I know it's four kilometres uh, outside of Yergachev, but it's very difficult to get lots of detail on this one. Um, so, um, we should uh, go whap you on pause and make drinks, but I'm going to go and fetch somebody to come and talk with me as well, because you all enjoyed the guests that I had last time, um, so we're going to have yet another guest. Okay, so we're back with... Joined by a guest. Uh, this is Matt. Matt is from Beerbods. Okay, the UK. You okay? Keith will get put back in. Um, I've talked about Matt on here before. So uh, you sent me a card a while back, and we were talking about it like over a year ago now. Yeah. Um, but we should try espressos first, then we can talk about Beerbods. So this is um, an Ethiopian. I was talking about this earlier before. These know what it is and know what I expected, but it's an Ethiopian. It's from Yergachev. Um, and it's called the Richa, it's a washed, so we should dive in and try. So, for me, what really comes through in the espresso, more than I think it will anywhere else, is there's a real lemon pithiness to it, like real lemon-like acidity. Um, it's actually got a surprisingly good mouthfeel to it as well. With these high acidity coffees, you sometimes lose some mouthfeel, but it's really yeah, yeah, no, texture to it. still there, you know. It's so the, these Ethiopians, when they're good, they're amazing. They really are, but they're so difficult to find. Um, this is the first time we've ever had an Ethiopian for a second year. Because normally you have them one year, they're good. The next year, they're not so good. But um, this washing station's done a great job this year with this. So, um, yep, that's good. We should dive into the milk. Um, we were waiting a little bit, so the milk has collapsed a tiny bit, but it looks a bit pretty. So I have this thing where I've stopped enjoying milk drinks and the milk overpowers the coffee a little bit for me. It's so delicate. Yeah, it tones it down. That's yeah. yeah, yeah, and you're just kind of getting a, a sweet milk taste and you might as well just have a cup of milk. Yeah. Um, it doesn't power through in the cappuccino as well, which is really sad. Um, yeah, all that acidity is kind of just washed out. It's mellowed yeah. out and smoothed out and... This isn't a cappuccino coffee. Um, for me, I'd agree. I'd agree. Completely. Some people will love this as cappuccino. They'll go, "Oh, no, that's great!" And, and that's great. It's like Kenyans for me don't work in espresso. Like whenever I have a washed Kenyan, I don't enjoy them in espresso. 
and I get people on here going, ah, oh, but I love it. It's like, well, you know, that's the kind of guy I am. I don't, uh, we don't all like the same things. Uh, this is where it should absolutely shine for me. Um, we should have beer bods, monks. So tell us about, um, tell us a little bit about beer bods. So when did you start? How did you start? Kind of, okay. what, what was your motivation? Yeah, so beer bods started uh, sort of probably May 2012. Uh, it was just a, a, me and a few mates uh, tasting beer in a shed. And before that, I suppose, beer bods started as when my love for beer started which was um, I got my first job as a pot washer when I was 14 Okay. and uh, at the end of each shift they used to give us half a pint of beer nice I wish I worked there when I was 14 that sounds awesome and that wages uh, and I started looking forward to the beer more than the money Uh, (laughs) which is a good job because there's not a lot of money in beer yeah and and, uh, yes I've loved beer ever since so uh, I sort of went down like the graduate gravy train got into a pretty boring corporate job and just decided I wanted to make beer my job again uh, drinking it and selling it so uh, yeah so uh, meanwhile sort of a few years before I started beer bars me and a few friends were getting together in a shed I got my garden shed and we were tasting beer and we were comparing notes and I thought you know we could just do this on a much bigger scale so I threw up a website uh, got some friends to make it up uh, that was September 2012 and uh, yeah and now we've got 2,000 subscribers who Amazing. they drink the same beer every week uh, and then come together to talk about it online with Twitter tastings on Thursday nights which you quite often get involved in. I do, uh, I haven't as much as I, as I used to because I kind of, um, yeah I got busy but it, I always dive in and read them at the end of the night. I could just like, so it's kind of different whereas a lot of places they will just send you the beer and you'll be expected to drink it and you don't talk about it. Whereas this is real Thursday night, nine o'clock um, at beer bods use your twitter handle right yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and Matt will retweet a lot of the people who are talking about there's a hashtag beer bods that you can kind of watch them on um, me and Roland from Roland Daft Fact fame do a podcast which is s-a-r-b-p dot com steve and Roland's beer podcast dot com but we do an audio podcast where we talk about the beer as well and we've really enjoyed it it's like we've ended up tasting beers that we wouldn't taste it's kind of like in my mug Beer, yeah, which is we're, good. we're massively inspired by In My Mug, which is why I wrote to you shortly after I uh, started Beer Bods thanking you, really. Because, yeah, Beer Bods, like, like has been, is you know, we're selling much more than beer, we're selling the story behind it, and then we're bringing together people to talk about it. And beer's a lot better when you share it with some friends, you know. And it's amazing the stories behind beer are very similar to what we're talking yeah. about here. So, there's individuals behind every bottle, like, you know, there's a head brewer who's come up with this recipe, there's an owner that's decided to set up their own brewery, and I, I just think it's, it's, there's so many parallels with it. Uh, I know here it has been, we're all real beer geeks as well as coffee geeks, so uh, uh, we've really enjoyed being part of it. Um, so what do you think of it as brewed? Because for me, this is where it comes alive. I'm getting like a black tea, uh, lemon, it's a little bit of a bergamot coming through. It's a traditional Yergachev for me. This is what I expect Ethiopian Yergachevs to taste like. Just very delicate and floral. Um, yeah, you definitely get a floral note coming mm. through that. It's, um, yeah, it's ramped up from that cappuccino again, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. for me that is, I mean the espresso was really good. But as a brood, I, th- I think this is amazing. I, I'm going to have to disagree with the expert. Yep. I think if I was going to pick between the two, I'd have the espresso. Nice. But that's, that's good. That's good. I, I like guests that disagree. Yeah. I really <laughs> like guests that disagree. It's awesome. Um, 
Yeah, you're wrong, of course, but <laughs> yeah, no, that's no, no. I think I think as the espresso, it is delicious, but in there you get much more of that bergamot kind of like. So, yoga chefs have this whole history of being black tea, bergamot, lemon, uh, citrus, grapefruit. Um, this is like my traditional um, yoga chef. This is we've got some other yoga chefs coming on in the next couple of weeks that are so different to this that are less traditional ones, but. This just hits a spot, and this is the same as it was last year for me. This was what this was our traditional one last year as well. It's almost got herbal. It feels good for yeah. me. Like I feel like I'm getting something like healthy out of that. Yeah, yeah. No, there is. There's that real herby kind of. You know, the, 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 I say for me, the bergamot is just boom. Um, but the mouthfeel isn't lost from the espresso. So when you brew it and you water it down a little bit more, a lot of that texture can come from the viscosity of the liquid. But I don't think it loses any of that in this. Yeah. I'm, I'm really pleased with it. That's excellent. Right, you should definitely subscribe to beerbods.co.uk. Go take a look at the website. You should definitely subscribe to the Stephen Rowland Beer Podcast on iTunes and on the website sarbp.com. You should definitely drink lots of tasty coffee. And you definitely have to remember that life is too short for bad coffee and bad beer. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) We can buy into that. (laughs)